0: is to Gemma Simmons of the Margaret Beaufort Institute in Cambridge, bringing you episode four of the series Praying with Ignatius, where we explore St Ignatius of Loyola's teaching on prayer and the spiritual life. The Catholic spiritual tradition sets great store by sacramental signs. One definition of a sacrament is a sign which makes real what it signifies. Ordinary things like bread, wine, water, oil, healing words and touch, and the love between two human beings, become signs that God is truly present in our daily living. What difficulty can be that these signs become so exalted and special in our eyes that we can fail to see the God who's not only to be found in the scriptures or in the specific sacraments of the church, but also throughout creation? One famous ecological scientist suggested that through a literalist interpretation of scripture and a disregard for the material world, Christians were largely to blame for the ecological crisis. I don't believe this, but it must be said that in comparison to other groups, Christians were relative latecomers to the ecological party. This may be because some Christians are, as you might say, so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly use. There's a long Christian tradition which emphasises the link between ordinary everyday experiences and the presence of God, intuited through faith. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God in a human body and with a fully human nature. St Paul reminds us that all who are in Christ become his body. This means that our own bodies become places within which God dwells. They can serve as ways of being open to and mediating God with us to one another. The cosmos itself and all that God creates. (coughs) I'm going to correct that. (coughs) Sorry. The cosmos itself and all that God creates can be treasuries of God's presence. There's a traditional Indian greeting, Namaste. It means the God in me greets the God in you. This means acknowledging God's presence within one another, but St Ignatius also encourages us to acknowledge it in all creation. The 19th century Jesuit poet Gerard Manley Hopkins was fully immersed in Ignatian spirituality. He wrote, I greet him the days I meet him, and bless when I understand. Learning to discern the still small voice of God amid the noise of the world is a matter of paying attention to the multiple ways in which God's self-revelation takes place, in glory and grandeur, but also in the banalities of every day. We bless when we understand, but we often don't notice, and so we don't understand. We have the experience, as another poet said, but miss the meaning. Ignatius received one very vivid, mystical experience in which he understood the whole of his own life and the life of the universe as being in harmony with God. Later in life, he would say that it was from this experience, which he described as the greatest gift given to him by God in his whole life, that he began to see everything with new eyes. He began to see, as Hopkins wrote, that... The world is charged with the grandeur of God. Developing a capacity for wonder, a contemplative stance before all of creation, becomes the way to allow this grandeur to fill up our senses. St Thomas Aquinas contemplating Christ in the bread and wine of the Eucharist speaks of the Godhead here in hiding. God also lies hidden within concrete experiences, which we don't generally label as divine or mystical, but which are every bit as expressive of God's presence. I'm going to do that again. God also lies hidden within concrete experiences, which we don't generally label as divine or mystical, but which are every bit as expressive of God's presence as any exalted moment on the mountaintop. A walk in the park, cuddling a cat, stroking the dog, listening to birdsong, going shopping, driving in the car. Encounter with Christ can take place in the most everyday encounters, human and natural. Let's hear Hopkins again. Christ plays in ten thousand places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his to the Father through the features of men's faces. These lines reveal a deep understanding of the Ignatian perspective on creation and its implications for human relationships. Developing a sacramental vision of reality means finding in ordinary life signs that make real what they signify, that is... God is with us. The signs may not be very visible, so this generally requires an adjustment to our perspective. Let's give ourselves a short pause to think about how we might develop a more sacramental understanding of creation, including ourselves. Here's a question What do you understand by the sacramental vision of reality discussed in this programme? What difference would having such a perspective make to your way of perceiving and responding to the world? This is Praying with Ignatius, where we explore St Ignatius of Loyola's teaching on prayer and the spiritual life. Matthew's Gospel, John the Baptist sends Jesus a message from prison, which reveals an unusual vulnerability in the firebrand prophet. John is overcome by doubts because the longed-for Messiah doesn't look or act according to the set picture he had in mind. So he writes, Are you the one who's to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus tells him to look at the signs, and believe in what he sees. Later on in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus proclaims a privileged presence within the bodies of the least of his brothers and sisters. Whatsoever you do to the least of these sisters and brothers of mine, you do it to me. We're challenged to find him there, but we're unlikely to be able to do so unless we've also found him lovely in our own limbs and eyes first. It was St Irenaeus in the 2nd century who wrote, The glory of God is a living human being, and the life of human beings consists in beholding God. This has often been translated as, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Ignatius teaches us to have a more inclusive spirituality of the body. In his spiritual exercises, he speaks of developing a delight and relish in the gifts and graces of God. He encourages us to pray with our senses and to keep them fully alive to the messages of God's presence within the created order. This includes our gendered bodies, our sexuality and our capacity for intimacy. Ignatius encouraged people to live life with passion, And part of each exercise is to ask God for what we desire. Our problem, in his view, is not that we have too many desires, but that we have too few. Or at least that we often live at a low level of desiring that isn't fully human. We may also have taken on board negative attitudes to the body or to gender that are not consistent with the freedom of the children of God. Ignatius helps us to focus on our self in God, not as narcissistic self-absorption, but as the orientation of our vision towards God at work in a creation that includes our embodied selves. Our bodies are created in order to love and serve God in the world with all that we are. We don't see our lives in Christ in isolation from our cultural and historical background, however. Our thoughts about gender, class, race and orientation tend to come from the background of our origin and can dominate the way in which we construct our view of God and what's acceptable in God's eyes. This can become the root of judgments that we make about others and about ourselves which are far from God's mercy. The mystery of human relationships is very much in the foreground of Christian controversy today. It's a vexed question, full of pain and confusion, to which there isn't an easy answer. But if the spirit blows where it wills, and if the spirit is present wherever a bond of true love is present, in a way that's creative, self-giving, liberating and faithful, then we should at least be wary of confining that spirit into categories of our own devising, however hallowed by tradition. The anonymous English author of the mystical text, The Cloud of Unknowing, tells us, It's not what you are, nor what you have been, that God looks at with his merciful eyes, but what you desire to be. Learning to look at ourselves and others with such merciful eyes lies at the heart of any major conversion and includes a positive understanding of the embodied human person. The starting point is trust that God's gaze is in fact merciful. In the early phase of an Ignatian retreat, people are often encouraged to pray with Psalm 139. The psalm speaks of a God whose gaze is inescapable, which sounds a bit scary, but it also speaks of the gratitude of discovering within that gaze the wonder of our being. So let's listen to a few verses. O Lord, you search me and you know me. You know my resting and my rising. You discern my purpose from afar. You mark when I walk or lie down. All my ways lie open to you. For it was you who created my being, knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you for the wonder of my being, for the wonders of all your creation. O search me God and know my heart, O test me and know my thoughts. See that I follow not the wrong path and lead me in the path of life eternal. It's a beautiful psalm, but it also contains... Some rather terrifying verses later on. O God that you would slay the wicked! Do I not hate those who hate you, abhor those who rise against you? I hate them with a perfect hate, and they are foes to me. Many people find these antagonistic verses shocking, and some lectionary readings avoid them altogether they're uncomfortably reminiscent of painful periods in human history where religiously fueled violence has torn entire communities apart. Surely such sentiments of hatred and aggression can have no part in a spiritual tradition that's supposed to integrate the gospel commands to love self and neighbour. But there's a counter-argument that says that praying this psalm in a way that connects with the reality of our lives needs to include getting in touch with all that is not of God there, whether it's internal or external. This involves the expression of our negative thoughts and feelings and an honest appraisal of aggressive emotions and attitudes that we ourselves hold or that have been held against us. It can also help to give voice to all that we want to reject that comes under the category of what Ignatius calls the enemy of human nature. If we have long repressed deep wounds or feelings and memories that appear less than worthy, this can prove a considerable challenge. God meets us within the real. So prayerful encounters with such a God require honesty from us rather than hiding behind pious subterfuge. Only then can the deepest recesses of our lives lie open to God's healing mercy. Let's pause again to think that one over. This is Praying with Ignatius, where we explore St Ignatius of Loyola's teaching on prayer and the spiritual life. Ignatius says that all things in this world are created because of God's love and become a context of God's gifts. This includes our bodily selves, but a distorted and dualistic view of the human body and human sexuality, fueled by repressive versions of Christianity, can prevent us from believing ourselves entirely loved by God. Equally, we can be on the receiving end of other people's projections about sexuality, which can induce deep-set feelings of shame and unworthiness. If anything, our current liberated Western culture has made this worse. Selfie generation is never far from a camera, and from the relentless pressure exerted by the fashion and beauty industries and the media to look perfect. Perfect. This is affecting young men as well as women. Dating websites place photos of potential dates online and people are encouraged to assess one another solely on standards of physical attractiveness. It's not that far from the slave markets of the ancient world. Simeon the New Theologian was a 10th century Byzantine Christian monk and poet. His poem, we Awaken in Christ's Body offers a vision of the wounded human person made whole in the light of Christ's mercy. It speaks of the sense of oneness with Christ that we find threaded through Ignatius's spiritual teaching. It's the absolute antithesis of the cult of the body beautiful and can be deeply healing for those whose self-image has been damaged in any way. So let's listen now to... The poem by Simeon, the new theologian. We awaken in Christ's body as Christ awakens our bodies. And my poor hand is Christ. He enters my foot and is infinitely me. I move my hand and wonderfully my hand becomes Christ, becomes all of him. For God is indivisibly whole, seamless in his Godhood. I move my foot, and at once he appears like a flash of lightning. Do my words seem blasphemous? Then open your heart to him, and let yourself receive the one who is opening to you so deeply. For if we genuinely love him, we wake up inside Christ's body, where all our body, all over every most hidden part of it is realised in joy as him and he makes us utterly real. And everything that is hurt, everything that seemed to us dark, harsh, shameful, maimed, ugly, irreparably damaged is in him transformed and recognised as whole, as lovely and radiant in his light. He awakens as the Beloved in every last part of our body. We awaken in Christ's body was translated by Stephen Mitchell in his anthology of sacred poetry, The Enlightened Heart. To pray with this passage is not to wallow in self-adulation. It's to find in Christ's body a a way of accepting and embracing our own body and finding within it the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the starting point of a whole new life in Christ. So here are some final questions. How does the idea of prayer in and through the body and the senses strike you? How does it feel when you try to pray through your own body? You might think the next time you have a bath or a shower, the next time you get dressed or undressed or look in the mirror, of this being Christ's body. This is my body. We hear those words in the Eucharist, but we also hear Jesus say that of our body. This is my body too. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when I walk, when I jump up and down or dance, when I'm in pain, when I'm tired, when I'm just about to fall asleep or when I'm waking up, I'm aware that in this body I am and Christ is and God is with me. With Ignatius will be broadcast on Monday at 1pm, Tuesday at 4pm, Wednesday at 12.30am, Thursday at 5.30am and 8pm and Saturday at 2.30pm. For questions or to share your experience, please email address info at radiomariaengland.uk or leave a voicemail, text or WhatsApp at this number 07502. 385010 This program is available as a podcast on most podcast providers such as iTunes, Spotify and Google Play. To listen and see the full schedule, visit radiomariaengland.uk.